were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. doing one of our lovely all the other ghosts read-throughs and we'll be doing chapters 11 through 13 that's right we've been doing three chapters at a time because you know that's why what not? we're doing now yeah because why, exactly. why not because we can that's why because <laughs> it's our podcast and we do what we want <laughs> that's right we do um returning to me as always is the lovely not that bay not that bay. i always say bay because i because <laughs> you are my bay Oh, and you're my yeah, too. right? But it's actually B, and it's for not it's that bad that he. Yep. This is why you introduce yourself and not me. Anyway. Oh, it's fine. I'm not that B um, on Tumblr uh, or Bethany. Either one's fine. I'm answer to both. Just don't call her Shirley. Nope. Because nope. <laughs> I am serious. How many people Shirley. are going to actually get that joke? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, not that many, probably. <laughs> All right, so, all right, um, we are doing chapters 11 through 13, and the thing that I want to talk about right off the bat is that we're getting into, well, let's do a recap, real quick recap mm-hmm. um, from, what I, from the last time, that we are now, Kurt and Blaine are a couple, and they are a sexual couple. Mm-hmm. They've They're had out. the sex. They've had the sex. Phantom's gonna go crazy because they've had the sex. Um, <laughs> and they are um, both out patrolling now, and we're getting a little bit more of the clues and droppings and stuff that there's somebody out there making superheroes. And there's a there is a central plot to this, guys, believe it or not. Yes. Uh, there but is. mostly 
the big thing is that there are a couple now. And mm-hmm. fandom itself is beginning to take its shape um, outside of the curtain blindness of it. Correct. So that's what you missed on all the other ghosts. Um, the thing I really, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the thing that really about these next couple chapters and going forward, we get a lot of some more cerebralness. Mm-hmm. A lot of it starting to get into is the very interesting meaty part of the story. Um, mm. We can tell, or at least I can tell very much that Rain Joy is somebody who studied literature because it reflects in the way she writes where everything is a metaphor for everything else. Right. Uh, <laughs> There's um, also lots of foreshadowing done. Lots of foreshadowing lots done. Lots of foreshadowing. And lots of um, an analysis and, and meta within her meta. Um, mm-hmm. So chapter 13, oh my God, we're, we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> so, but chapter 11, start chapter 11. And we open up with fandom. And I, I again, the, the best parts of the story aren't even the curtain blades stuff. It's this, you know, meta commentary on fandom. And fandom is starting to take shape it's to its own thing. Um, I wrote fandom of, you know, uploading content that shows that they are indeed a couple, which happened in the previous chapter. And it leads, we're going to, you know, we're going to kick up this discussion with a <laughs> discussion in an RPF. <laughs> so here we go. Um, here we go. Here we go. The, we're going to lead with heavy stuff because that's what she does. But the, the she has a conversation about ethics, the rules um, about, you know, ethical, uh, the ethics around real people and shipping real people and Okay, so here's the big, 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 big difference between her universe and her world that she set up and, you know, the regular Glee world. The regular Glee world is completely fiction. Curtain Plain are fictional characters. They are not real people. Um... The, the all the other ghosts, the fandom is is shipping a real life in their world, real life couple. So right. the, the rules just are different. They are. Um, and I always liken it to like if you were living in the Avengers world and you were shipping, you know, um, Cap and Bucky. I mean, like it's you know, ye- where are those lines? Because like, mm-hmm. those are real people in the world, even though we're still talking about fictional characters. Um, and, and she does get into it a little bit, and she kind of treads the line. And, and, you know, again, there are people who are like, you know, this is perfectly okay. It's not for them. They don't need to know. And then there's other people who are like, you know, you're invading your privacy and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And, um, you know, I don't know, Bethany, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is this is always going to be a subject um, that is tricky and tricky to talk about, tricky to kind of um, um, what's the word I want to use? Complex. Com- <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's like how do we because you don't want to you want to talk about it but you don't want to offend anybody but you also need it to be a thing that is understood but you also don't want to be a jerk so it's like you kind of have to like navigate this conversation in a way that is very inclusive to everybody in it and I think that Rainjoy does an amazing job with that 
She does. Yeah, she really does. does. Very good job with letting the reader know that they're doing this, even though it's problematic. It is a problematic thing for you to ship two people in real life who you don't know anything about. Right. But it also is just for fun. And as long as you're not taking it too far, even though it's problematic, it's also okay to do. Like yeah. two things can exist together in the same in the right. same I mean it'd be situation. like you know I'm not gonna pull on real world examples because I just that, that takes it a little too far for me. Right. But my my thing is like if you want to read a piece of fan fiction about you know two real people whoever they may be. Maybe it's about me and Bethany. I would understand that. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bethany has a lovely girlfriend. You know, you respect that, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. If you want to enjoy that fanfic, that's fine. However, right. if you start coming to us with your shippy fanfic and say, hey, I believe you guys are a couple, even though you said you're not, then it becomes a problem, and that's where the lines are drawn. And it's Correct. funny, in this story, it's just a little different. I mean, it's... And I. It is different. There is a difference because they actually are a couple. But so let's take um, Danny DeVito and Real Pearlman. Yeah, there we go. That's a great one. That's actually a really good one because they actually are together. They are, and they and nobody is gonna nobody is gonna argue with us about this. But anyway, right. But also, they've also played husband and wife mm-hmm. in multiple movies, too. Yes. So it's like, there probably is someone out there. I'm sure it exists on some platform of the fan fiction of the two of them, or they ship the two of them. And, like, that's fine. That's great. Go on your merry way. As long as you're not pushing your own agendas onto someone else, mm-hmm. then... Have fun in your weirdo Dana DeVito and real Leah Perlman. Go we forth and start in, our own fan. Like, <laughs> go forth in porn, my good sir. Oh man! But there we, is a line, and you have to be line. conscious of the line. Exactly. Um, kind of moving away from that because we could literally have a whole podcast on that. Correct. Um, we could. It's funny that okay, so. She, three of her characters that we'll get to know better are considered um, big name fans or BNFs, and it she she it's interesting to me. She paints BNFs in a uh, actually a better light than I think Phantom sometimes can, because mm-hmm. somebody was arguing with one of the big name fans, and so like and in, as a derogatory thing says big name fans defend themselves like high school girl clicks. Um, which you're supposed to go, oh, no, that person did not. I'm going to, you know. But at the same time, I think there's a truth to that. And that mm-hmm. I don't always think, uh, I just have some issues with BNFs in general. Yeah. But um, the interesting thing about that, though, is that I think that BNF it, culture is a little bit different from where Rainjoy's live journal community roots yes. are than they what they are on Tumblr or what they were even in Glee. I don't think Glee had BNFs the same way that bigger things like Harry Potter did had. Mm-hmm. So 
And even though they did, I feel like Glee was so compartmentalized yeah. that like the BNFs were different for each group of fandom. Like Glee yeah. was Glee as a collective unit. There was a fandom, there's no denying that, but it also was very you know, section very off segregated, and, yeah. Yes. And so then there was BNFs inside the segregation too. So like there wasn't like five or six or three or however many for the fandom it was there was like 15 or 20 spread out between all different places i also don't think they had as much power as a bnf Mm -hmm. fan did in like the harry potter stuff Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i would definitely agree with that as well i think a lot of the big name fans and glee either had connections to like the crew or something or uh-huh. lived in LA or something, or you were a, a prolific fanfic author. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if it's defined differently in other fandoms, but um, so that's usually how a BNFs become BNFs. They have connections or they're prolific. Um, but um, uh, I wouldn't say there was so, like a handful of people that were so Bigger that other than uh, like the rest of the people that it was so like it was treated them obvious. as a, yeah yeah so but anyway here there it, it, and here they kind of do I think that the three girls that we're gonna start to get to know are a little BNF ish mm-hmm. um but it's presented in a more positive light than I think BNFs usually are so anyway I just think it's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and I also wrote like one. Can we have one day without wake? No, no, you cannot. You are in a fandom. That's not how right. Um, and then <laughs> I'm blacklisting the. En- <laughs> I'm blacklisting the entire fandom. I just really liked that. Right. Um, and then yeah, I also wrote that she also make, goes in a point to to leave in spelling errors and grammar errors and stuff uh-huh. like that. I mean, somebody spelled. Oh, guys. We've got the exclusive scoop for you. We figured out how to say Blaine's superhero name, and I'm totally not going to do it right because I don't like it. But it's Phalanx <laughs> is yeah, the way Phalanx. you're supposed to say it. We looked it up. We will not do that, though. Yeah, because we're just – it's Phalanx. Sorry. I'm sorry, sorry. guys. And, I, and I'm having a hard enough, not time, hard enough time not saying flanks. So, you can still say that. <laughs> I do sometimes. And you don't correct me, and that's very sweet. That's fine. <laughs> we're neither of us are saying it right. We realize <laughs> that it is now Phalanx, but that's just too hard to say. So we're yeah. just going to be lazy about it. I'm sorry mm-hmm. for all of your language peers out there. Um, I'm sure Rain Joy is, I would say, rolling in her grave, but I'm sure she's not dead. I hope she's living a wonderful, lovely, long life. <laughs> Right. Rolling in her fan fiction days of yesteryear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope she's out there in England enjoying herself. Okay. Correct. Anyway, so we're getting into this. Okay, so the other real big part of this chapter, mm-hmm. Kurt gets into the story of his past. And so we get the retelling of you know, kind of where he was in 2000. And she gets a lot of it right. I mean, yeah. especially, you know, that she didn't get the whole story, but, you know, Kurt was being is depressed and by himself. There was no Glee Club. Um, Finn didn't talk to him. And Krofsky still did what he did. Um, and then kind of went on as if Blaine was not there and how um, Kurt just, you know, I, I wrote Kurt didn't have courage. 
So without Blaine, Cart did not have courage. And I think, like, here we get the crux of the very, the deviation, I should say, of Kurt's character from his canon counterpart. Yes. Um, So. Um, uh, All right. So maybe, Bethany, you can shed some light on this. Because I had a little bit of a hard time unpackaging this part of it. So he tells this whole story to Blaine. um, And... um, also talks about how he wishes he would be invisible and that's when he gained his power and of course as we've talked about before Kurt's power is a reflection of his personality as the way Blaine's is too but then Kurt um, tells Blaine everything you know feeling like what happened to him wasn't anything to have known because it could have happened to anybody and Blaine telling them that it is something to have known and then Kurt Make, and then Kurt says this the weird thing. Kurt thinks that making him admit that is the cruelest thing in the world. And I, I don't know if I fully understand that. So I was going to ask yeah, you about that. I don't know if I fully understand that either. I guess. I'm guessing that like it's it's like a, a weird. Well, the problem I don't want to say tongue in cheek. That's not exactly what I mean. But yeah. it's like it's like an almost like a um, that was like that's the meanest thing you've ever said to me. Like I don't think it's actually true, but it like rings with truth. If that well, makes sense. I kind of took it as a Kurt having Blaine make him realize that things that happened to him were important. Mm-hmm. Um is is what is like it's hard for Kurt to like have him it was hard enough for Kurt to tell the story because he'd never told anybody any of this I mean right. like Finn and his dad didn't know any of this stuff so ha- telling him telling his story is, is hard enough but making Blaine kind of making him realize that what happens to him is important feels hard but at the same time she's gonna this is again when it's not published fiction and you're not really i don't know if she worked with an editor but i kind of doubt it um she kind of changes gears a little bit on that stuff and i'll explain Mm -hmm. that more when we go forward so i don't know i probably should just stop picking out these one lines that (laughs) no i mean it's okay it's because it goes on for a while they have this conversation for a while I mean, yeah, it's a majority of the chapters. This it really conversation. is. I kind of like it's broken up here and there, but it is. It's a it's a big part, and it's also a big part of her version of Kurt too. Yeah. Well, and the other so, thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying. You go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. You know, it. I was thinking about Karofsky. Um, and Krofsky's actually going to end up showing up. I don't remember. It's at the. It's near the very end that he shows up again, but. Um, and this whole scary monster Karofsky thing. Now, I do not... Okay, I'm going to preface this with I do not undermine anything that has happened to Kurt in the story or anything that's ever happened to anybody else that may have had something like this happen to them. I'm just mm-hmm. putting it in this interesting perspective of how... <sighs> okay, this is going to sound really weird. And if you think that I should cut this out, I will. Okay? Okay, but, go ahead. All right. So when I was younger... I would watch like unsolved mysteries and stuff like that. And like, I let's take the Zodiac killer 
for example, mm-hmm. and he was like this creepy drawn face, and he was scared me as a kid because they like showed his face on that TV show, and he was just creepy, and mm-hmm. everything you know that haunted me for a long time. Like I just like, anytime somebody said Zodiac Killer, I'd be like, oh my god, that creepy guy that sent notes and whatever. Well, as an adult, I watched the movie that was about these killings, and they kind of made him a real person, mm-hmm. and. Then he stopped being like he was not that terrifying like monster. He was so bad. He was still an evil guy. He was still like a horrible person who killed people. I'm not saying that, but he wasn't that scary monster. I and I, I know feel what you're like does okay. So I feel like Karofsky Rainjoy kind of latches on to the scary monster that uh-huh. Karofsky was in season two. That before mm-hmm. you really kind of saw. And I think Canon, especially now that we're past you know end of canon and we Krofsky was a totally different person by the end of it Krofsky is no longer that scary monster for me and eventually will not be that scary monster for Kurt even in the story but she latches very very hard on to Krofsky being this scary scary monster you know that haunts you Right. Did any of that make sense? It does. It actually makes perfect sense. And it's so funny because, um, you know, I, my, okay. So uh, personal story here that you can totally cut out if you want to. I hated Karofsky because I had a bully in junior high, high school that looked exactly like him. Oh, like to the point where like when he came on the screen, it freaked me out. Like, the same, like, look, the same way he talks, the same, like, cadences in his voice. Like, this guy made my life a living hell in junior high. To the point where, if it had happened now, I would have probably been able to sue for sexual harassment. Oh. And so I hated Krofsky. I hated him. I didn't, like, I did not find any redeeming qualities in him at all because of this, you know, trauma from my past so like there's a this so I understand and there's also a there's also an element of she needs a villain she needs something to latch onto to make her the way that he is mm-hmm. and also you know she's worth working inside of the season two and season right three she arts. I mean yeah obviously Cooper's there season three has happened but I she seems to stop the narrative at season two. Correct. She really right. just does not latch on to things and pieces that she's pulled out of season three even. Correct. So. so, like, you know, you take all of that and it makes perfect sense to me why he is the way he is. And then you add in my own personal layer of it. And, you know, I got past that once the show. Well, that's, but it took me to season six to really get right. through it. Well, but I also wonder, because you and I are both... And I say older in a, we're not that old, but you know, right, but we we're are more, older. just, we are older. And I have to wonder if, it kind of makes me wonder how old Rainjoy is now at this point, because this, a lot of this reads to me as somebody who's younger and, and I don't mean like teenager, I mean in their twenties, who right. you start to understand things like, like storytelling and methods and, but things are a little bit more black and white when you're a little bit younger. And mm-hmm. the Zodiac killer is really, really freaking scary as a concept. And it still is, but like, but when you, when, I don't know, it's just like when you get older and you have more experience and you have 
all of these like just things stop becoming so black and white, so scary, mm-hmm. so like not scary, scary, but or and shades of gray. As I, it's kind of funny that I'm yeah. even using this phrasing, but it becomes shades of gray. And things that are, you know, stop having that childhood. You, you, I guess, was the better understanding of how the world works and why people do what they do and everything like that. And I don't know, it's just interesting. Now I'm doing literary critique more than talking about the actual plot, but you know. But I mean, to be fair, um, you know, to what you said, um. You know, with, and it's not just about being young. I mean, it is, but it's also about being older and being able to see, look at someone who's having a horrible time and think, instead of, oh my God, why are they acting like this? Being able to look like, oh, what happened to them to make them act like this? Right. You know yes. what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. And that just, and that's what I think. Because I feel like so much of the society wants to blame everything on the younger generation. Like, yeah. it's just the way that we do things. And I don't think that's fair. And no. I'm taking this way farther than it needs to go. But anyway. <laughs> my hey, like, was, I didn't already. <laughs> right. My point was, is that, you know, I just really think, I, I agree with you. And that I think that maybe... When this, when Rainjoy wrote this, she was younger. Yes, and it's very much a way of looking at a character without seeing, without being able to see the the why and only seeing the how. How they're well, and I, right now. Yes. Yeah. So, sorry. No, you're fine. Um, and and on top of that, not that um. She's very, she's, she latches on to certain concepts that we'll, we'll touch upon more as we go through, um, Mm -hmm. that she wants to explore and doing so kind of negates or neglects some other concepts that fully bring a a full, um, that bring about a fully formed, more well-rounded narrative. Uh Look at me being really deep and introspective. <laughs> and it's it's not, there's no, so I feel like going forward, it helps me a little bit better. But like, because I'm like not as judgmental on the text uh-huh. as I was, I don't know, even last week when I was reading this and going, oh my God. Um, so it's, it's to just maybe boil it down or sum it up for some of our listeners who are like, what the hell? Just get back to the plot. Right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's. She's going to start to go into some really introspective and meta commentary on the on her own story. Mm-hmm. And she's going to get very entrenched in a couple of ideas that kind of stick. And I think I'm just defining the reason as to why she's probably doing this mm-hmm. um, and why it feels jarring to me being somebody who wants to look at a full picture or a fuller narrative or a et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when we are just, you know, looking at a piece of fan fiction. Yes. So anyway, but as I'm going, as I want to do, I'm going to defend you slash argue with you. That's what we're here for. You <laughs> oh yeah, I mean? absolutely. Like, that's what we're doing. That's yeah. It's just a conversation. It's an interesting right. um, experiment. It's not mm-hmm. a, like I said. It's not a criticism. It's not a judgment. It's not no, appraisal. I mean, not. it's just. It's a okay. This is how we tell stories, and this is interesting. This right. is why this is what it is. So I feel like the way that she 
this is the way that she told chose to tell this story. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think across the board, not just the Glee fandom thing, but in fandoms across the board, especially lately, especially when you have all of this dichotomy of like this version, this version. I feel like you can love a thing or you can hate a thing. You can be a Marvel person, you can be a DC person. You can be pro-feminism or you can be anti-social justice warrior. Like there's no middle ground anymore. And, right. and you just with that, you are cutting off these conversations about why and just these deeper conversations you can have about pieces of literature on no matter what level. I mean, if you want to get introspective about a freaking pop Britney Spears song, you can actually do that. And that's yeah, fine. Sure. But like people just go to extremes like as if, you know, in, I'm either, you know, tearing something down because I hate it or, you know, you're praising it so much you're just looking past its flaws. And I'm like, well, no, we're just here to just have a conversation about it. Right. And that's, like, we are, like, inviting to you what we would probably be talking about anyway. So, mm-hmm. anyway, yep. on that. So, please don't send us hate mail. We, we, <laughs> we're very sensitive people and don't need Most that otherwise. <laughs> we're very sensitive. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, after Kurt tells all the story, um, we get into the Blaine's point of view. And I, I wrote some interesting notes here. Mm-hmm. Um, something that really uh, mirrors Blaine, which is not been written yet in season five, is Blaine saying, you know, what is the point of having all these shields if you can't keep Kurt safe? Um, now, that is something that real Blaine is <laughs> a real person. Yes, literally. Real I Blaine. You hear real Blaine saying that. Like, you can. But he's also going to get over it in Canada, too, yeah. because Kurt doesn't want him to. Um, mm-hmm where it's going to just start, stop, it's going to continue to be a point all the way through the end of Grey. Mm-hmm. Um, they're tested, you know, all the other ghosts and tested become one big gr- tested episode. <laughs> the episode of test. It Correct. does. That's what it boils down to. Oh, no. You're that You're argument. right. I'm okay. agreeing with you. <laughs> oh, man. That argument in tested is the entire all the other ghosts in Grey. But anyway. Um, it's interesting that Blaine also thinks that... Um, Kurt is letting Karofsky and what happened to him define him. And I actually, it's interesting because I, Kurt in the next chapter, we'll get to it. Or in one of the future chapters it is like, no, he doesn't define me. And he and Blaine get in arguments about that. But anyway, um, now Blaine also tells Kurt that Kurt telling him, okay. Oh, 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 okay. I was reading my note. I'm like, what did I mean by that? Now, Blaine makes a really great point that Kurt tells him that Kurt being visible and being the ghost and doing what he did saved Blaine's life and gave him a path to do what he needed. And I, I, I think that's it's the first time for Kurt to really that's going to be like a whoa moment. Like, uh-huh. wait a minute, what? Like, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And then um, so, so they just talk about more about the origins of the ghost. And surviving in high school. And it's not really any different than it's a lot of that is the same as we've gotten before. Right. As they stop a guy who's hurting a woman. And I, I wrote, no, registration laws are already in place. Oh, he started being a ghost by stopping a guy who was hurting a woman. That's right. And right. he had to be careful because registration laws were already there. Um, so there were other heroes out there, but just not really... They're, we're gonna get into more superheroes. We're gonna like freaking do the Glee Avengers pretty soon, but not right. yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Kurt starting out thinking that his super life nobody would notice, but Blaine noticed 
And um, there's a little bit of interesting echo canning stuff like being alive and being alive because you're there and you're perfectly imperfect. And a lot of little things that do echo canon, which I'm really super fascinated by. Yes. Agreed. So, I just talked a lot. So if you feel unheard. <laughs> no, absolutely not. You're, okay. you're good. All right. Um, and then we enjoy One thing I really, one little trick she does that I really enjoy is that she's had these very heavy thinky thought sections. She pulls back and she just does dialogue and it's just yep. Kurt and Blaine conversa- conversing about um, kind of about the little mermaid and how um, Kurt says like, I feel like I'm reverse of the, 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 that I came back from being foam and I became, and I found my voice again. And I always, say it is like becoming a real boy and it's really nice little picture and moment and introspective piece and i actually like that yeah i do too i also really like i'm jumping ahead a little bit here uh the conversation with rachel it's one of my favorites well go ahead and talk about it you can set this one up oh no i was just saying like just you know for so much of you know i i don't know if anybody has listened to me on um the uh, Two Days in Believers podcast about the Glee episodes, but I have a lot of issues with Rachel. I love her, but I get very frustrated with her and infuriated with her because I feel like she's not written very well, and so it gets to this place of her being annoying all the time. And I think that Rainjoy found a way to work that into a really interesting person in Rachel in this story because she's, as we've talked about before, She's Mm -hmm. not a character. She's not a main character by any means. But she also is a big person in Kurt's life. And I like that kind of she like bookmarks these heavier things with like him coming home and telling Rachel what's going on. Yeah. Um, And like, you know, Rachel has to get it out of him a little bit, which, you know, but I also kind of feel like Kurt's kind of bursting to tell her what's actually going on with Blake. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then like there's... A lot of the stuff in between the Rachel stuff and the like big conversations is just a lot of little like domesticy things. Mm-hmm. Kurt and Blaine go a really fast from being a couple or being these strangers to being a very intimate couple very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, she uses this a little bit to show just kind of like what you can't do in can. This is the reason for fan fiction, right? Um, uh, th- you can show them being like just how they are with each other and how they mm-hmm. are in each other's spaces and um, and stuff like that. So, um, so Blaine does reiterate that he wants one night off for them each and one night off for them. Yes, a night to themselves instead of the city. And Kurt- Kurt's gonna have a hard time with that for a little while, yes. but eventually it'll be fine. Um, I mean, Sunday night. But eventually he will get. He does get much yeah. better about it. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then Cooper sending a text message to invite Kurt back. Um, yeah, that's always a funny little runner. Um, but, um, yeah, you're right about Rachel that, you know, as soon as they get over the, she thinks he's a slut thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he finally, at least Kurt finally tells her here, like Blaine was his first and she's just like, Mm -hmm. she goes a complete 180 from Kurt, you're a slut to, I want to start planning this big gay wedding. Right. Um, it's just really hilarious. Um, and then it, 
So there, this must be me, me being older a little bit too. Um, it's an interesting, how do I put this? Okay. Rachel says, you know, you love him. And Kurt says, I'd die for him. Which is a very no. fanfic romantic thing to say. But it's also not the same thing. And I need people to understand that. Yeah. Not the same thing. Like, <laughs> you can... I feel like, and I may actually have you cut this out, because I don't know how I... <sighs> Kurt is... Okay. Dying for someone, however Kurt means it in whatever capacity, is not the same thing as loving them. And once you figure that out, and once you kind of, like... Because I don't... I'm not saying that Kurt doesn't love Blaine. I think that Mm -hmm. right now he still feels very protective of him as a person who's not as experienced as him. But also as a person who can probably take care of himself. But anyway. It's one of those things that, that, again, that we were talking about earlier. I think it's when you get older, (laughs) it just doesn't... Because this line, even when I first read it, I'm like, oh my goodness. But now I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like, I get it. I really get it. And it's very romantic and very, you know... You know, Eliza on the moors with um, Darcy coming over the through the fog. Like, I get it. I get it. I understand why it's romantic. But it also, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as saying I love you. I feel and like I it's not even Kurt- the same thing as, like, I will do everything in my life to protect you. Yeah. It Versus I die for you. Because I feel like there's a difference between... I will protect you with, you know, helping you shield away from the world versus I'm going to put myself in danger for whatever mm-hmm. stupid shit you might be getting yourself into. There's a right. big difference in there. There's a big difference. And, you know, also, Kurt and Blaine are also very young. That's also something we oh, need yeah. to remember. Yeah, absolutely. So, That's not a commentary on Rainjoy. That's a commentary on Kurt and Blaine being so correct. freaking young. Um, which I might even argue younger than their 23 years. I still say she writes them as 18, 19 year olds, not necessarily 23. Um, so, okay. Um, all right. And then of course, Kurt tells Rachel about Cooper and it's a, you know, joy fest there. Mm hmm. All right. We end this chapter like we begin it. And she's going to start doing this a lot more um, with more fandomness. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> my favorite part of this is I'm an ordained minister and will marry them. <laughs> <laughs> Cracks me up. I love that kind of shit. Like any just bizarre crap that you will put on the Internet. And it, I just love that. Um you know, and we get the first private messages. I believe it's between Ghostly and Draxy. Um, I didn't write there. I do write it specifically later because it's important later. But um, we we start to get more of our three heroines um, mm-hmm. who are going to define this fandom. So, and yes. that's 
chapter 11, which is really mostly about Kurt telling. This is um, I, this kind of stuff I always get. I always feel trudging through because it's always the backstory stuff. And I'm like, I don't really care that much. Um, it, it goes with the, you know, I'm from Ohio conversation that we always get. With yes. these it's just obligatory. You got to talk about it. It's there. She does fine. I mean, like, uh, you know, it's just a matter of my personal, like, I don't need to know. I see this. This is the part that is in canon. I don't care. Um, so, but you do have to kind of, sometimes you have to go through, especially if you're going to change or deviate from it. So. Yeah. All right. So yeah, before yeah. we get into chapter 12, there, the thing that I find interesting, because again, we're getting a little bit more into things where there's less plot and more mm-hmm. of this, like this is a 20 page chapter, but the plot can be summed up in like two sentences. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that we're getting into these more, she is getting into more introspective discussions. So we are too. So hold on Correct. to your butts. We're third way through this chapter mm-hmm. 12. Okay. So, we open up with Ghost is patrolling on his own for the first time, and this is an interesting thing. I think it's kind of fascinating. She, he feels Blaine's absence, um, uh-huh. which is strange for him, because he's been on his own for so long, but now that Blaine's been with him a lot, um, him not being there is just really weird. And so, when you know he feels like a part of him is missing, so he gets back, Blaine's waiting up for him, but it's not any big of a deal. They just fall into their rhythm, and... They fall asleep, which, by the way, they're going to just be sleeping with, you know, literally and figuratively um, for the rest of Endel time. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. All right. So the big thing, though, this is the big Thanksgiving episode. This mm-hmm. is <laughs> chapter 12.2, which is about, I don't know, 500 pages long. Usually, Rainjoy. <laughs> She does, she's just changing up her structure. I think that, you know, at the beginning, she had a nice outline where it's, you know, chapter one has 10 parts alternating Blaine and Kurt, and this is what this, and then this time it's just like, she's now getting into kind of more of improv, and however this mm-hmm. flows, because um, what she would usually break up, like, with three or four um, different parts is all now one big, giant, long part. So, writing notes on this was like, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, but um, the other thing I want to note, for the next couple of chapters, it's very Kurt-heavy, Kurt's point yes. of view-heavy, mm-hmm. which I think is just kind of fascinating. Um, not that it's a bad thing. It's just a comment. I don't know. No. Um, so we're going to start off with Kurt saying Blaine, oh God, Kurt saying goodbye to Blaine at the airport part. Oh God, why can't I talk? Saying goodbye. Um, and, you know, he's going to go home and spend Thanksgiving with his dad in Ohio and Blaine's going to be there mm-hmm. and Kurt worries because Kurt worries. Um, they do a little flashback to the second round of sex. Um, and I love that Kurt's like, Kurt's, he finds Newfoundland. Which is Newfoundland. It's a <laughs> that's just cracked me up when he's like right. Newfoundland. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, it's a little bit slower and a more intimate uh, just description than the first. Um, Blaine's still taking Blaine's letting Kurt take the lead, and Kurt taking mental notes of what works. Then Blaine being in sure. It's a really sweet sex scene. I think she does when she's being actually explicit about it she does sex scenes rather well yes 
sometimes they're vague and you have no idea what's going on, but other times she, she hits I mean, the nail on that. I mean, that just sucks, though? Yeah. Sometimes you just have no idea what's going on. You're like, what part is that? That's fine. Just keep doing that. Oh, That's just whatever. Like... I don't care. <laughs> um, I mean, you're not literally watching yourself having sex with another person in that's that, true. you know, you know, you don't have, you're not a third person with a camera there. So that's, it can be all oh, in your head. Yeah. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> I'm sure it's lovely. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> all right. So anyway, Kurt's having a hard time saying goodbye to plane. Um, it's, he has this fascinating thought. That he's worried that if he comes back to Ohio, Blaine won't exist anymore. Not that he won't be there, but that this whole time Blaine's just been this figment of imagination that he just made up and mm-hmm. then he'll be back and then he won't be there anymore, um, which is kind of fascinating. Uh, meanwhile, Finn gets more screen time. Uh, we haven't actually seen Finn much lately. Um, and he got in a fight with the entire police force about the ghost being a g- being gay. Which is entertaining. I, they, it reminds me of, um, you know, what it reminds me of straight up of duets. When, yes. or, oh gosh, was it duets? That not duets. No, um, I know what you're talking about though. Um, where the, where Rachel's trying to get the whole football team to stand up to Karofsky and Sam gets punched in the face and. And and maybe Sam was, and um, Mike and Artie are the ones that confront. Right. Finn's like, I just room. don't want to deal with this. God, what? Right. Epi- why am I blinking on what episode that was? Um, I don't think it's duets. It's yeah, it's before, not. I don't think it was Girl Kurt, Jesus, though. It's not Girl Jesus. It's before Kurt goes to Dalton. Right. There's not very many, though, because it's uh, it's audition which is definitely not Britney. Britney, which Kurt's barely in. So it's Girl Jesus. I don't think so. So it leaves duets. A Rocky Horror Picture Show, which it's not. So it's got to be duets. Yeah, I guess it has to be duets. You guys, can, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. this. is so bad. I'm trying to think of another scene that's in there. I remember where Rachel gets, she convinces the girls to. Yeah, and Quinn tells the him that they've pushed it back. Like they pushed the female rights back 50 years. Yeah. Also, Mercedes is annoyed because she doesn't have a boyfriend. And so she's like. Like oh good luck uh, meeting with, oh and Santana also has something snarky to say at that time yeah and I remember the scenes clearly I just don't remember what episode right, I don't remember in. which I don't and, remember I remember all of those scenes very clearly but I can't remember what maybe else it was, was going Furt. on in the episode it's got to be Furt I think it might be Furt actually yeah it's got to be Furt because we I complained at the time where everybody is trying to like stand up for Kurt and then Finn is like doesn't want to and he's really resistant but then he dances with Kurt and then everything's magically fine it's for right yeah I'm so glad we figured that out um it feels like that a little bit I feel like she Mm -hmm. she really nails Finn's personality actually I think um and um it's interesting though Finn claims that Kurt gets to be here most of the time other people are allowed to be a hero for him and it really echoes that it's it, she basically took the plot of fart and made it into a little argument because yeah. mm-hmm. Kurt's like I don't want you to do that for me and Finn's like well people can stand up for you that's fine and that's kind mm-hmm. of reiteration of what like Kurt didn't want Sam and Mike and Artie doing anything and right. so anyway I'm glad we just we figured that out we didn't figure it out. Wait, yay, us. Um, 
And of course, they've had this this argument a million times about whether he should be superheroing or not. Because Finn's kind of doesn't really want him to be there. But again, this is early douchebag season two, Finn. Um, (laughs) uh, Also, we get I love first. I think this is where Kurt sort of describes shipping to Finn, and it's just yes. Please stop. Like fandom, and then like you're like um. I don't think you really fully understand it. So maybe don't try to explain it to someone else. Also, Finn is not going to work. Finn listens to Journey. I just got to point it out. She got that in there. Um, She she really doesn't on the nose address Canon very often. So when she does, I like to point it out. Um, So they get back to Ohio. Blaine's currently in contact and um, writes, he texts, shields Kurt. (laughs) Okay, but he's at home. He's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's supposed he, to... He's all right. He's fine. Reiterate. And then Carol's got this big thing. You're too skinny. You need to eat stuff, which, whatever. Um, uh, the strangeness of returning home and reflecting after a long time of wait, which is a, a thing that I think actually hits you more so when you're in college than it is when you get older. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, you go away and then you come back maybe two or three years later and it's weird because you don't like you were attached to your parents' house in your bedroom and that was your place for 18 years or however. And then you go away and something else becomes your home and it's no longer that original place. And so everything feels like stuck in the past and you're not. It's a really interesting it is part weird, of growing I up. I would even argue that it's it's it kind of fades after the first couple of times you come. It home. does. It. I don't feel. I mean, I go back to my parents' house and I still feel like that place is like that whole neighborhood is stuck in the '90s because it's a small town and it just doesn't change. But right. I mean, I mean, like my room isn't even my room anymore. It's it's right. so. I, mean, I don't have stuff there. Even, my mom doesn't even live in the same house that I grew up in. She moved yeah. out when I was in college. So right. like. I guess maybe I have a different view of it because I yeah. don't have a childhood bedroom anymore. Well, and I never really did because I moved around too much to have a childhood bedroom. But I, I mean, and you get that. I had a friend of mine who she, her parents lived in the same place, you know, all the time we were growing up. And even after her older sister left, she graduated in 1998, up until the time they moved and retired, which was maybe two or three years ago. Um, that room was left. I mean, she, I don't know why the sister, older sister never just took her crap with her, but like you walked in there and it was like her senior year of 1998, like all, like there's a right. senior photo and all the, like, you know, little 1998 things everywhere well, and like, high totally school photos. And... Of, have you ever seen the movie, the family stone? I have not. Well, I wrote, um, a, I'm totally going to shamelessly plug my own fit. Go read it. Yeah, it. you should. Like, I've never done that. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, basically it was a, um, um, oh, what's it called? When we do it around the holidays, the, um, Advent, I wrote an Advent. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas movie. And I like wrote it about Kurt and Blaine's family and their children are coming back. And in that, the reason I bring this up is because in that movie, their bedrooms are exactly the way they left them. Like, mm-hmm. And I just could never get, I'm like, who does that? Like, who doesn't turn their childhood bedrooms, their parents doesn't turn their bedrooms into, like, something else? Yeah, like a guest room, if nothing else. Right. 
But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My friend's parents didn't. It was so it was so weird. Like I last time I was there was still admittedly like 10 years ago. But still, it was like, this is weird. This is like a yeah. going backwards in time in a weird way. So, um, okay, so Kurt's up late. He ends up staying late. And he ends up having a conversation with his dad, which is, is a really nice thing. It's a little obligatory, but um, it's, you know, he talks about meeting Blaine and the first person, mm-hmm. you know, the first guy that Blaine, you know, is worth meeting and talking about and bringing him home frequently. And, um, you know, they, they call back to Bert having learned about the superhero. Because, again, there's so many flashbacks. This whole section is like inception because it's all one big section. One section. It's flashbacks within flashbacks and what's real and what's present. You got to pay attention to it. Um, um, but, you know, we find out that Bert learned through the superheroing through the ner- news and called Kurt on it. Of course, Kurt's not going to, you know, Kurt can't lie to his dad. No. Um, then, okay. So... We do get a flashback. <laughs> it's gonna be my issue <laughs> point because we got the Karofsky stuff. Karofsky right. stuff is hard enough, but then we get a flashback to the time where this he's, he gets drunk when he's with a guy, and the guy. And this it's a little bit a little bit vaguer, but um, later on it's gonna to basically say that the guy kind of forced himself and almost tried to rape him and yes. Rachel had mates which is a little bit of a funny moment Rachel has mates but it's gonna be a thing mm-hmm. why does curtain why it feels like later on in fandom there I mean it got to be a thing where it was like why does everything ha- bad have to happen to Kurt like why yes. do they have to keep and I feel like that's just an act I'm like Really? Did she really? You already had the stuff with Karofsky. I don't understand why we need to give him this too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will get more into it when the the, the story gets more into it. Okay. So, unless you had something to say, I mean, you can. I mean, I just devil's advocate. I think it's just, she's just trying to add layers of why Kurt is the way he is, why he's so protective of like domestic violence victims and you know, women being, you know, taken advantage of. I think that that was her intent is to add a, another layer onto that of why he can identify with it. But I don't definitely agree. Like it gets to the point where you're like, why do bad things have to always happen? Well, I also feel like you can be an advocate for, you know, women's rights and making sure of women course. are safe yeah. without having to have, all of this happened to you. I mean, it just, right. but there's going to be a lot of Kurt as a victim issues within Kurt and Blaine narrative, yes. which gets more so in chapter 14, which we are not doing tonight, but right. um, <laughs> we'll no, I totally part. understand what you mean. And it's like, you don't need this if you're going to do that. And if you're going to yeah. do this, then you don't need that. I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, here I wrote uh, Kurt trying to piece together why his personal life is so hard when superheroing is easy. And so Kurt's kind of, because ghost, he tries harder to be a, a person that Kurt just kind of lets the bad things happen to him. And that, that whole idea is like it's like a, she Ranger got an, this idea in her head about that that juxtaposition, and she's uh-huh. just gonna like exploit it until I'm like okay. So anyway, let's put that on the back burner. Um, right. Kurt 
has, you know, Kurt feels Blaine of Blaine that he's someone that he's proud of and someone that he calls his safe space. And there's a lot of really positive stuff that, you know, someday he wants to show off Blaine to his dad. And, you know, Bert, you know, even though he's he's having a hard time because he's a parent and that's always going to be hard, especially if your kid's out almost dying every night. Then he's right. proud of Kurt. And it's a right. the Bert Kurt part of this, I think, is very sweet and nicely done. And the two of them get each other. The 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 she really nailed the I think the dynamic between the two of them very well. So I agree. I mean, I'm always a sucker for Bert and Kurt scenes, especially when they're written or directed very well. Um, and these are written very well. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is it's Thanksgiving and you know, you reflect on what you're thankful for. And Kurt's thankful for the first time of having people that he loves in his life. So mm-hmm. that he can depend um, on and yep. rely on because it's always only been his dad. And now yep. he's finding more people. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the night, he um, what, what just wants to make sure Blaine is on. I, I think this is a neat little piece of thing that she does because she, it's Kurt's end of the night, and he, Kurt, I believe, texts Blaine, "Hey, are you okay?" And he's like, "Yep, I'm fine." And then we go back in time and we get Blaine the little bit of time up that Blaine was by himself, and Blaine is on his own for the first time, and he's nervous about it because he, you know, this is the first time where he's on his own. Mm-hmm. He's got a different power set. He can't just go intangible. He can't just haunt right. somebody. He's he's got to figure it out for himself, right? And which is probably scary, like because you know if he gets caught, the ghost can ghost himself out of a situation like that. Blaine mm-hmm. can't. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Blaine's power set is shielding. It's protective. Mm-hmm. It's defensive. It's not offensive the way Kurt right. says. And so, but he does okay. No, he does. Um, yeah, he does really good. And then we get the return of Iron Man. No, I'm kidding. Iborg. <laughs> Iborg. Iborg. Um, this is so hilarious. I just did not really appreciate the amount of call it Avengers, call it Justice League, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it, Iborg comes back. He, I, I think Artie is smart enough to know that sometimes you just need to deal with the communicator of the two of them and, and not mm-hmm. like sometimes you have to go to the translator. Uh, you're just not going to, you know, um, and he basically says, Hey, here's my card. He reminds Blaine that the world is bigger than New York and there's more than muggings going on. And he could be, I love that there's a team forming that could be bigger than all of them. And Blaine is actually interested. Like, yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, he's not going to do anything out of Kurt's comfort level. And and Artie's kind of a little bitch and like just does some nasty things, <laughs> which puts Blaine on the de- defense. So, because uh, like you can tell that Artie is kind of just the messenger here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, look, I, he, I mean, it's going to be pretty evident that he doesn't really want to. Like, he's being told to go see if we can recruit these other superheroes. Right. And, um, which will be, it'll be more of a point in gray than it is here. But um, it's so fascinating. I love this. I love this kind of stuff where there's, like, a bigger world and there's more superheroes and you get more of the Glee characters in it. And you get this whole Avenging slash Justice League-ish thing going on and dynamics. And, and I, I think it's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. It makes the, the story... 
uniquely its own while reflecting on its genre. And I don't know. I like this kind of stuff. So, yeah. All it's, right. So it's this, a silly little, I mean, it's, it's not long, it's but I, no. I, I like, it. I just, the, but those are the parts of the story I like. I mean, sometimes like the fan of me stuff, I really like the superhero stuff. I really like, there are moments with Kurt and Blaine that I really adore. Um, and it's kind of tangled up. This, this, it's interesting. And I guess now I'll say this here, even though it's kind of randomly in the middle of it. Um, I, I like the story. I liked the story a lot more when I first read it. It was very mm-hmm. fascinating. It's one of the first big Glee stories that I ever read. It is gigantic and it's a lot of fun when you're just reading it as a fun piece. I think analyzing it, uh, I don't know if it holds up as well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now that I've read it like six or seven times. Um, but yeah, getting all the fun stuff, like picking out all the really fun stuff. That's the exciting part. So you guys aren't always bored with my, well, literary criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Rant 477. Oh um, my goodness. So funny. Okay. That's good. Okay. So then we get the end of Thanksgiving and Kurt says goodbye to his dad and Carol and realizing that he has, this is the biggest thing though. This is a really important thing that Kurt has so much to live for. As we said a little bit earlier. Yes. Like he's got people to live for now. It's a big thing. All right. Um, and then he meets back with, they get to the airport. One of the things that I actually like about this next scene is that Kurt and Blaine meet up again. They kind of fall into each other again. Poor Finn having to watch this. Um, and Kurt being like, oh, uh, he like reaches out. He's like, this is the one I have sex with. <laughs> I like that moment. Every time I get to it, it makes me laugh, but I like that. I just like Kurt is like the recognition of Blaine being comfortable in home. And uh, again, it's one of those, uh, you know, the agony of need. They need to get home and have sex right this second. It right. cracks me up. I love fan fiction for this reason. Because really, I mean, I get it. But at the same time, <laughs> they literally just ditch Finn and go have sex. Right. And I just, I'm like, bye. We're going to go have sex now. Bye. <laughs> um, it's more explicit, more needy, uh, sexy caveman, Blaine. Um, it's it's a sex scene. What I mean, what, I don't know what to say about that. But, um, but Kurt does note that he has two homes now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then we get the end. We don't really have very much fandom stuff, but here, fandom speculation. Have they been home fighting holidays, family? We don't really ever know, do we? We don't. No. This is the thing about if you are going to be following real people, you don't actually know what's going on. Right. You can speculate, you can fan fiction, but you don't actually know. Nope. And that's the point. That's the point. Um, then we get. With that, we get Ghostly and Draxy messaging each other. And Ghostly is our, you know, fandom bitch. And I say that in a good way. I mean, just like she's the, I'm going to take you all down with my nasty words and bring you guys down. You know, it just, that's her shtick. Draxy is the person that writes a lot of smut. She's the prolific fanfic author um, of smut. But she's also a really nice person. And then they worry about black bindings. Um. There, anyway, uh, Ghostly and Drax here are messaging over black bindings because she hasn't been around and they're worried about her. And 
I'm pretty sure in Susan Gray that Ghostly and Black Bindings end up dating because Draxy yeah, has a fiance. Um, but so it starts that, even though it's not really, that's not really becoming a thing until Gray. So and that's chapter 12. Right. That's chapter down. 12. One more to go. How are you doing? One to go. One to go. I'm good. Okay. Just tell me if I'm talking too much because sometimes I'm like overpowering no, the conversation. Not. I know, but I, I'll tell you. Okay. So we get chapter 13. There's not a whole lot going on. Wow. Because the majority of this is commentary about commentary of fan fiction. <laughs> but we'll get to it. Okay. Um, first of all, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, now it's winterish. Post Thanksgiving, it's snowing, and you know what? You know what you do when you get it snow? You use an umbrella. No, I don't know. It just cracks me. I'm guessing, like in England, it's like sleet snow, so maybe that's why yeah. she has an umbrella. But this cracks. As somebody who just like always is in snow, because I live in the freaking tundra. Not really. I'm not all the way up in Canada, but it's like I'm being close. Is, you are very close. <laughs> I'm very, very close to close Canada. To Canada. <laughs> <laughs> that it snows like eight months out of the year here. God, not really. It's more, it is closer to six, but um, I just would have ne- never used an umbrella for no, snow. But so I it just makes people me laugh. in New York doing it. I really can. Mm, I can see people in London doing it. That makes more sense to me. <laughs> anyway, it does. None of that is the point. The point is that they're discussing Christmas and yes. um, that, um, they're not sure what to do about it because Kurt's like, well, I have to be here and Blaine mm-hmm. wanting Christmas together. Um, they also mention, um, we get a little bit of Blaine's backstory here because first of all, we get that he's Filipino, which is thank you, Rainjoy, for doing that. Um, right. And, um, just Kurt has an interesting thought about, <laughs> hold on, sorry. <coughs> Wanting to love Blaine so hard that he never feels unloved again. because And that is an interesting part of Blaine's character. It that is. he's so, um, like his parents are neglectful almost. Mm-hmm. That he always feels like he has to, to prove to be worthy of love. And Kurt does pick up on that. Which is very Blaine. And very, you know, the people who love the hardest usually need the most love. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we get the first of two big set pieces of this chapter. Um, the first one is this big action sequence with a stra- stopping a Mata family um, warehouse delivery thing. Excuse me. We meet a new superhero who's mm-hmm. super villain-ish, who is Sam. Um, even though it doesn't say Sam, you kind of guess by the clues, and he comes back. And Sam moves very fast. He's the Flash. He's the Flash. Only not, so really. She, not really. I'm, I'm guessing she was more of a... I don't know. Maybe she liked both of them. I really Sometimes, think she probably drew from both. Yeah. Because this is very much more DC-ish. Yes. Um, and, yeah. And at the time, it's not like the Avengers were even a thing at the time yet. Um, movie-wise, anyway. So... Um... Just a few points about that. I mean, like I said, it's like a good ten pages, and I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, Kurt's upset at Sam because he says you can do all of that and you sell your body to crime. 
fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows that she did also watch a little bit of season three because uh, right. Blaine makes that remark about uh, selling herself. Mm-hmm. Um, also bringing up the main plot point that somebody is making superheroes again because he didn't was not born with this. He chose to have this happen to him because he needed to um, provide for his family. So right there you go. They. <laughs> This is so ridiculous. They end up at a gay clubhouse. They go after Sam. Sam's like flashing out. Kurt like holds on to him and they lose control and they end up in a gay club. And Blaine follows after. And some guy randomly decides to manhandle the ghost. And Blaine gets pissy about it to the point where they go outside and they argue about what assault is. And Kurt like is like, I'm fine. And it gets to be a thing. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I have any more thoughts than just what we've already talked about. Like, yeah, it's just very, it's, it's like what we were talking about before. It's kind of like the same argument again, but also not. Yeah, I had to. Well, let's talk about the next part because then the next part with Kurt and Blaine kind of plays into what she's trying to do with this big fan fiction part. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it took me a while to piece together why she was even going on about this stuff. Okay, so the next big section, which has got to be like five, six pages, is ghostly going on a fandom rant about reading this fic called The Wasteland. Oh, no. Um, Triptych. Yeah. And it's like, is oh, she's so funny. She's like... Reading Black Bindings is like reading The Wasteland. And I'm like, what the hell is The Wasteland? I don't have no idea what that is. Like, It's like reading Catcher in the Rye or The Great Gatsby. We've all read right. this. Um, I, I wonder if Wasteland is a British thing. Um, anyway. Um, so, the whole, okay, first of all, she sets it up. I mean, here we are talking about fan fiction as literature. I mean, we're literally spending hours doing this and picking it apart. For the most part, though, I... How to put this? I think there are definitely pieces of fan work out there that can, are very well written, very deeply written, can very const- very much constitute as literature. But for the most part, I don't want to call it not literature because I definitely do think it is. But I don't know if most fan fiction really does what this piece of fan fiction. This is a a this is a real piece of introspective literature that you read for your 11th grade English class. I mean, this is just, this is on a whole different level. Most people don't even write this stuff for, this is just, this is what she's reading in her college reading courses. Right. (laughs) um, Okay. So, cause it's so, this is, kind of like writing and writing this uh, it's not so much a story it is a piece of it's a metaphor so this whole story is about the ghost and the ghost is being taken care of by three women they are the maiden the mother and the crone they're a young woman a a mother a middle-aged woman and a crone who's not really old um but in you know the context of the story being in your 40s is apparently old um Yeah. And these women see the ghost as three different people. One, the maiden finds him a, as a knight in shining armor, like this guy to rescue her. This, mm-hmm. you know, wonderful, youthful thing. 
Um, the mother sees the ghost as a child is, and wants to protect him and, and care for him. And the crone sees a re- him as a reflection of a youth that is no longer there. Right. And, you know, the whole point is all this commentary. I mean, like, this is literally, liter- this is literary analysis. Like, if you read this whole section, this is what literary analysis does. <laughs> for this piece of fan fiction that doesn't actually exist and it's kind of funny in my own before i get into the point of it i think it's hilarious that a lot of times when you get into this deep kind of analysis that now that i've been doing this kind of stuff for years and years now sometimes the analysis and introspection on it becomes deeper than the thing that originally was like i just don't think stories even your most profound and introspective stories ever are as you know intentional or not clever or deep or introspective as we make them out to be yeah anyway so anyway the point of this whole thing is that these three women see the ghost not even cart but the ghost as these three different things. And the point of this long kind of almost run on literary analysis that Rainjoy is trying to make is that people don't ever see the ghost or Kurt as one person, but these fragmented things. And mm-hmm. as she mentioned way back in a couple other chapters that, you know, Finn sees him one way and Blaine sees him one way and Bert sees him one day and Rachel. And we all, are I mean, really, we all are are um, subject to that. That people see us in the context of their own, you know, experiences and lives. That we are all these other people, but we all are a whole person. And Kurt, what we're going to get in the um, next section is Kurt's up up thinking is that the, he is struggling with. Blaine seeing him as a victim again because he's gone past that because he's become a whole boy. He doesn't mm-hmm. want that because there was the ghost who is the superhero and Kurt that was the scared like victim and mm-hmm. whatever a third part you want to be to, to match up with her <laughs> literary analysis. And he doesn't want to be that role. He wants to be right. himself, which is a whole thing. And he's having a hard time because Blaine won't let him out of um this particular role and he's gone far past that and he i mean even now kurt is like kurt blaine i like this part of it though i like that blaine was a reflection a way for himself to see that a person wasn't whole and um that he wasn't able to that he was fractured in multiple ways but now he's come together again and he is healed and um, but Blaine still sees him as this fragmented and in this particular fragment, and he's having a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, and this feel, I feel like I'm being simmering it down decently. It took me a while to understand this chapter. Yeah, I mean, I like, I still, I still, it took me, I still don't understand it. I, I mean, that you listening to that, you talk about it is the best I've understood it since I started reading this, and I haven't read it as many times as you have, but. Yeah. Like well, I, like I said, it's oh go ahead, sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say like and I did I mean I went to college. I read into Oh yeah. I you know what I mean? Like, but it's very 
I mean, I, you know, we've talked before on and off the podcast about how she, uh, Rainjoy is definitely a liter. she studies literature. She has to, because if she does it, like, all of, she's so scholarly in her writing. Mm. Um, and her, the way she investigates and, and, and sets up imagery and all this kind of things, like, I, I totally see it. And I kind of, like, I remember just reading this the first time and being like, Okay, I know. Well, and I, she's yeah, no, I because I did too. I'm like, and this is one of those times when, like, I feel like coming to the section when you get to this, this is not a fun part of the story to read, and you right. can almost this is dare I say this is Rainjoy indulging a little bit in her own. Um, God, I don't want to say cleverness. I, I'm not trying to be judgmental with what she's doing because I no, get it. No, but I think I understand what you mean. It's not even like it, it's not even an indulgence. It's like you know when you're good at something, you want to show yeah, that express you're good it. At it. Express yeah. it. Yeah, and she's good. I mean, I think of, this is while I find it boring in the context of the fan fiction. This is one of the best pieces of her writing in the entire story mm-hmm. because she's able to take something that doesn't even exist, a fictional piece of literature, a fictional like against inception stuff. This like this fic within a fic that doesn't exist and do mm-hmm. literary analysis and, you know, not making a very academic and intelligent discussion on this particular fanfic and relate it to the allegory of what Kurt is actually going through that Kurt, it's a really long, long winded way of saying that Kurt feels felt for so long, like these separate, separate people that now that he's mm. feels whole again, now that the ghost and Kurt are no longer these separate entities, um, that he gets frustrated when people still view him as that. And Blaine still does because he gets so upset about the This guy in the club. This guy in the club. Um so that is why it's not the easiest thing. Like I said, I said I had to sit down with this and like reread it like three times. There's another thing I have to reread 14 because there's a piece of 14. I'm like I was so tired. I'm like, you can see my notes. It says, I don't know what the hell this is. I'm just going to read it later. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Um, But this is like, we're getting past the basic plot parts of the story Uh and she's getting into this big, huge metaphor. And so instead of saying, instead of telling your story, I, I do feel like there needs to be a balance in, 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 I don't want to say good literature because I don't think this is bad, but like, I think there is a, balance because i think when you take your audience too far out and you become too meta with your story then it loses itself um almost like you know let's talk about season six of glee like there are times when that goes so far meta that it's kind of lost its story and it becomes and it's more also about like oh no go ahead just, yeah that's kind of it and just that um, she is now commenting on her story by doing this commentary. So instead of telling uh-huh. a story, she is being meta about it. Right. Which I don't know. I guess for, because part of me is like, well, that's not altogether a bad thing. Or an, no, or it's part. It, it does fit the fan fiction conversation, the, the fandom conversation that is a real thing. And right. I, this is a piece of fan fiction, so I can't fault it for that, for being w- doing exactly what a fandom thing would do. 
Right. And she works it in interestingly. I mean, it's it's part of it's a post on whatever platform they're using. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tying together these two things. So it's it's done interestingly and, and in you know, and in I don't want to say interesting again, but it's you know what I mean. <laughs> what like you it's, mean? it's not a even though it took me a while to really get it, I I don't think I would call it boring either. It's just I agree that it like it, it almost takes the the reader too far out. Right. It goes almost too far the other way. Um mm-hmm. I think that if you're trying to write a piece of fiction, straight up just entertainment, like I can see a lot of people, they probably come to this part and they skip it. It's not mm-hmm. about sex. It's not even about the inner thoughts of Carton Blaine. You know, we as a fandom and I don't know how much he gets into this, um, but like we as a fandom, we we read fan fiction because we want to be entertained with these characters that we like so much. And mm-hmm. we talk about various tropes that come up. We just want a lot of the fan fiction is about escapism and not necessarily about higher meanings. I mean, why do you think mm-hmm. smut is the number one thing that's written and read on the internet? You go to any pairing and hit like any character and go on AO3, get any character, click the top one. The top one is going to be a piece of smut. The most hits, whose kudos, most comments, it's going to be a piece of smut with a pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, hands down. You're into, right. you know, I'm guessing this black binding thing is not the most read thing. Here, she kind of claims that it's supposed to be, but I really doubt that. Um, just because people on the internet and our fandom stuff, we're kind of indulging ourselves through this, and that's fine. But we like the easy stuff. We don't necessarily want to do the hard work that a piece of straight-up academic literature would make us do. Mm-hmm. There are places for both, and that's fine. I'm not trying. Like I said, I'm not being judgmental in any way. I'm just saying. She frames it as ghostly being really upset that people have not read this the same way she has. And that I don't necessarily think is fair. No. Um, Because I think if you want to just read and enjoy your smut, go for it. I don't feel like reading or writing fan fiction should feel heavy and burdensome. Like a, like if you really like writing in that high academic, like stuff, that's fine. But I don't feel like you should be chastised if you don't read that in a, you know, if you like James Patterson, read James Patterson. If you like Stephen King, right. whatever, just whatever. So, um, but yeah, that's the whole point again of the chapter thirteen is really to be a an allegory for the way Kurt's feeling and how Kurt or how Blaine is reacting to him. Right. Um, so, and and you were mentioning you don't necessarily find you said something about you didn't necessarily find it boring. Um, it's just a lot of work to untangle yes. and unpack. Yeah. I mean, and I agree with you too, that like, you know, you can't, and I, sometimes I get kind of like, are Cause sometimes I feel like, and you can totally cut this out if you want to, it won't hurt my feelings. I feel like sometimes Rainjoy uses her own voice to say, and like uses, the girl the girls the fandom girls as her Mm -hmm. own voice yeah and sometimes i'm like well you know 
what is that? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I read too much into that maybe sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of, am like, you know, I agree with you. You can read fandom how, or you can read fan fiction however you want to. If you want to get really deep into it, go for it. But if you don't, then don't. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a requirement either way. Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, then, and then, of course, this ends with Ghostly and Black Blinding having a conversation and checking in. That's random, mm-hmm. fandoms do. Blaine mm-hmm. is, at this point, not really in fandom anymore. And no. it's going to be these girls, which is fine. It, and I like them as they get developed a little bit better than they are here. But, um, right. Fandom has become its own thing, and I, it'll be interesting because it's been a long time since I've read it, so I don't, like, you know, at the very beginning, I felt like we were very much plot-driven, and in these last couple of chapters, really this post-sex stuff, um, up until pretty much where there's a where Blaine gets shot and it starts kind of going into plot again, it's a lot of introspective, how do I feel about a thing, how... Mm-hmm. Um, do I define myself in this particular way? Uh-huh. Um, and just, yeah. So a lot of thinky thoughts this time around, which I'm, I hope people like, because there's not I a lot so of too. No, there really <laughs> isn't. But there also is a lot to, there's still a lot going on. Like there's still a lot of emotions and feelings and Thinky thoughts, like you said, like there's still things to talk about. I hope we did a good job in talking about them. I think, yeah, we did. I think we did too. And I feel like, again, as we always say, uh, write in with your thoughts. And of course, um, yes. we're writing, we are thinking of doing a, a wrap up podcast with these, you know, either both or at least one of them, um, where we, we discuss anything that you guys might have to say and just have right. questions and stuff like that. So, we would love to get them. We've gotten a few of them before, so we would really love to get them more. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, we we want attention. And, yes. <laughs> We're like Tinkerbell. We yeah. need applause to live. So so that kind of wraps up this one. Um, next time we will be doing... We're going to be doing threes for a little while, so we'll be doing um, 14, 15, and 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so feel free to read them along with us. And otherwise, we will see you later and hope you have a good night. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.
Hope when the moment comes, you'll say.